God's people said amen. I love that. You may be seated. I love that song. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. There's a longing. There's a longing because there's a brokenness and there's a need. There's a darkness that's prevailing. And so, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. For those of us who understand that brokenness, that longing, that darkness, that long for Christ's return. It's interesting. The Bible tells us that we are living in between two appearances of Jesus. The first appearance, he's come. He came to seek and to save the lost. He was successful. Uh, he ascended uh, as a victorious king, but we're told he's coming again. So we live in this in-between, this time where we still say, Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, come and bring the final chapter to us, because, man, do we need it. If you have your Bibles, uh, if you'll turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, it's a major prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, last week we were in Exodus, this week we're in Ezekiel. We're going to cover all the books starting with E. Uh, in the next couple weeks. It wasn't that funny, was it? All right. We'll also be in the Gospel of John, John chapter 10, as we begin a sermon series. Really, although Advent started last week, uh, this is a more of a, a focus on this Advent series called A Weary World Rejoices. We sing that reality. Let me ask you a question. Are you longing to rejoice? Let me ask you probably a bigger question. Do you feel weary? Do you feel like our world feels weary? I mean, have we not been battling for a while? I mean, does it not feel like, man, this has been a weary world? And don't you want to rejoice? We have a reason to rejoice for sure. So if you don't have a Bible, there's one in front of you uh, that you can have. If you don't have one, take it home. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, the words will be on the screen when we get there as well. Oh, little town of... Whatever that is. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. How many of y'all, I know there's a few here. Anybody here had the privilege of ever being in Bethlehem? All right, awesome. Uh, Bethlehem, it's an amazing city. I'm so grateful for the privilege. I've been to Bethlehem a few times. I've had the privilege of being there. I have saw, actually, the, the shepherd's field. I saw the place that, that people say, this is the actual spot that Jesus was born. It's in a place called the Church of the Nativity. And you walk in this church, you think, hey, really, this looks like nothing like Jesus at all. I mean, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a gaudy, big old church. But I don't know exactly where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but I know he was born in that city. Uh, you know, Bethlehem, would anybody know what it means? Very good. Very good, Dorcas. Fantastic. It means house of bread. It's kind of apropos that the bread of life would be born in the house of bread. Uh, by the way, prophecy said that the king, the Messiah, would come uh, to Bethlehem and to be born. Uh, so when I was there, um, something amazingly uh, incredible happened to me. Uh, we got out of the vehicle we were traveling in. Um, and when you go to a place like Bethlehem and you look like I do, uh, although you're not wearing a sign that says, I'm a tourist, come talk to me and take my money, um, there's certainly that, that they immediately spot you a mile away. Uh, they know where you are. And so when I was there, we got out of this vehicle, and all of a sudden, uh, this person came up to me with the cutest little lamb that you've ever seen. And so, Christopher, do we have that picture? There it is. So I get out of the picture, and I don't know how they know that I'm the leader. I mean, I guess I just have that quality. I don't know how they know that I'm the pastor, the shepherd, but of all the group, they go and they put the lamb on my shoulders. That little fuzzy, warm. It was like, oh man. I mean, look at that right there. I mean, that was like mama's love. I mean, that was just like awesome. I really loved that, that time. And just to 
to realize that, wow, this is the place that Jesus the Good Shepherd was born. This is the one the scripture will talk about. And by the way, uh, when you have this warm, fuzzy feeling, uh, the people who put it there, they're not doing it just to be generous uh, and be nice. Then they're going to say, hey, give me some money. Uh, I want some money. I got you the lamb. And you start doling out no, a little bit more, you know. So uh, it was worth every whatever I gave them. I promise you that. But again, this morning we launched into this sermon series, A Weary World Rejoices. Uh, we know that our world is weary. We know that our lives are weary. There's so much around us that, that just is, is weighing us down. And I don't you long to rejoice? And that's what Christmas is. It's a time to rejoice. And so what we're going to realize is into this weary world, God is going to send his son. This is how he fixes it. This is how God deals with it. Uh, God sees that we're in a weary world, uh, but he wants to rescue us out of it. And so the way he does it, uh, he's going to send his son to come for us. Uh, and so matter, no matter how weary our world gets, uh, we know that God has entered in. And we know that like when Jesus came the first time, there's more good stuff coming. And because of the reality of Christmas, no matter what, we have hope. Now listen, I know there's sometimes it feels hopeless. And I know there's sometimes in your life you're like, oh, man, I'm at the end of my rope. But the reality is, because God kept his promise, and he showed up in person, and, and he came to dwell among us, that we have hope. And there, there's a living hope that's inside of us. And you know what? We, all, we, we have joy. And we have joy. Sometimes we sing that joy through tears. Uh, and sometimes we sing the joy through an emptiness and a brokenness. But there's a reality that, that, that our, our, our Savior has conquered death. He's conquered sin. Uh, he's conquered the world. Uh, that this is, is not gonna, just going to end poorly. This is going to actually end well for all of us. And there's a peace. And this peace is beyond just a little bit of a peace like with your neighbor. This is peace with God, right? I mean, this is holy God, sinful people. And because of Christmas and the celebration that Christ has come, that we can have peace with God. Uh, in the time when Jesus was born, it was called Pax Romana. There was a piece of Rome. Rome had kicked butt so much that they had put some roads in, and they had this peace that it felt like the world would have. That's a world peace. It won't last. Uh, Jesus came to give us a whole lot more than a Pax Romana, a piece of Rome. He gave us the peace of heaven and earth. Uh, how incredibly great is that? And so what we're going to look at in the, today in the next couple of weeks is that one is today God would uh, rescue us by giving us a shepherd. A weary world will rejoice. God gives us a shepherd for those who are lost. That's me. Uh, God will give us a savior uh, for those who need rescue. Uh, God will give us a king. That's going to be the third week. And then Christmas Eve, God will give us a son. Let me just give you a heads up. On Christmas Eve, I want to talk about Jesus, okay? You guys know as I talk about him every week, right? But it's, uh, we're going to talk about Jesus on Christmas Eve, and it's, you know, it's going to be glorious. So now listen, I'm going to tell them about him. I'm going to tell the people about how amazing it is that Jesus uh, came to rescue us and the greatest gift ever. So you can invite your friends and family. Um, I'll do my best. Pray for me. I'm going to tell them about Jesus and how much they need him. And so let's fill that place up the best we can because that's the hope of the world, right? Um, so that God gave us a son. So this morning, again, we're, shepherd, we're focusing on shepherd. Uh, so here's the three things I want us to see. One is this. God personally, personally promises to shepherd his people. And not just through somebody else, but he personally does. But then he says, God promises to provide us one shepherd from his servant, David. Hmm. Uh, we're going to unpack that a little bit. Uh, then we're going to see that Jesus is our good shepherd. Now we're going to be in a couple of passages. We're going to be in a, a major section in the book of Ezekiel. One of my favorites, Ezekiel 34. Um, and he's going to talk specifically to shepherds. Now let me give you a little heads up. 
he's not talking to the people that are out in the fields with the sheep. Well, he talks to them too. But when God in Scripture talks about the shepherds of Israel, he's talking about the leaders, the people that are supposed to shepherd the people. He's talking about the priests, he's talking about the prophets, and he's talking about, most likely, the kings. So when he's saying, hey, I'm really frustrated with you shepherds, he's not ticked at the ones that are out there in the field, right? He's angry with the ones that are in leadership. He's angry with what they are not doing. And so you're going to hear uh, God, and you're going to see maybe a side of God you don't hear very often. Uh, it's a side of God's anger, um, his righteous anger uh, toward those who should be doing better. Um, and then we're going to point to uh, uh, Jesus as the fulfillment of that in John chapter 10. So, oh man. All right. I don't have my glasses up here, so this will be interesting. Um, so if you turn with me to Ezekiel chapter uh, 34, uh, we, will, we will start there. I'm going to read verses 1 through 24, if I can see it. I think they'll be great. So uh, if not, I might have to start using up here. So let's hear the word of the Lord. And remember, if we find ourselves in the Old Testament, New Testament, anywhere in between, God's word, never lead us astray. Uh, we can trust it. Uh, it's an amazing word from our God. Hear the word of the Lord, Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. He's talking about Ezekiel. Isn't that interesting? A term that Jesus will be called as. Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding themselves, should not shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. So then he scattered. So they were scattered because they were, there was no shepherd. And they became food for all of the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and in the high hills. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherd have not uh, searched for my sheep, but the shepherd had fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I'm against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep from their hand and put a stop to their feeding, uh, the, sh stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from the mouse that they have not, uh, so they will not be food for them. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep, and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountain of Israel, by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall they be a grazing land. 
Therefore, they shall lie down in good grazing land. On rich pasture, they shall feed on the mountain of Israel. I love this. Listen to this verse 15. I myself will shepherd the sheep, be shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I'll bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and, uh, and the far and the strong I will destroy. Uh, I will lead them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must uh, tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture and to drink of the clear water that you must uh, make mud for the rest of the water? I'm so sorry, y'all. I am so sorry. Hang on. And must my sheep... Uh, eat when you have trodden and when your feet and drink when you have muddied with their feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with the horns. All you who have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep and I will set over, up over them one shepherd, my servant David, hmm. and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them with their uh, and be their shepherd, and I the Lord will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them, and I am the Lord. I have spoken. Okay, let me go to John. I think it might be easier to read it this way. John chapter ten. I came that they may have life and life abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep. See the wolves coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, I know the Father. And I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay my, my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. This I have charged, I have charged I've received from the Father. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we're just so grateful for your word. What an incredible story that you told us. And God, in this, these 66 books of the Bible that, that tells us a story of how you love and rescue your people, your sheep. And God, in the, in the middle of the Old Testament, through the, through the prophet Ezekiel, we hear these words that you personally promise to shepherd your people. You personally promise to rescue us. God, you personally, this is God Almighty whose word cannot fail. You promised. You'd bind us up. You'd heal us. You'd take us as your own. You promised that you would be one shepherd, your servant David, that would come. And God, we thank you that he has come and his name is Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for the good shepherd that you are. Oh God, come with the power of your spirit. God, may everybody here, and those who are watching online, understand who Jesus is, is our good shepherd. Oh God, come and be with us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray in Christ's name.
Amen. All right, the first thing we're going to see here is that God personally promises to shepherd his people. Did you hear that in verse Ezekiel? I love the number of times he says, I myself, listen, this is the Lord, I myself, I'm going to do it. I'm not just going to send somebody else on an errand. I'm not just going to have other people do it. I am so personally invested in your life. I so care about you and what is going. The God Almighty, the God of the universe says, I'm going to enter in. I'm going to be with you. Uh, I'm, I'm going to come do this myself. God has our strong words of rebuke for the shepherds of Israel. And remember, those shepherds aren't just the people out in the field. I mean, these are uh, the prophets, the priests, the, most likely the kings of those who were supposed to be taking care of God's people, those that other people look up to. And how many times have you been disappointed in those who should be taking care of us? How many times have you looked up above uh, who's above us and say, seriously, this is how you're acting? I mean, seriously, do you care about us or do you care about yourself? I mean, we know how this feels, right? Uh, even in the greatest country like we live in. Uh, but these shepherds of Israel, they, they'd fallen down on the job. It became more important for themselves. They cared about their own meals. They cared about their own reputation. Um, it, they became inward. And that's what sin does for us. And, it, and we can't just throw stones at them. It happens to us. I mean, we got this inherent thing called selfishness. Uh, that we always look out for number one, and we think we're number one, um, and this is what they're doing. And it, it's, it's so repugnant when those who are supposed to be looking out for the greater good are doing that. Uh, so here you have God coming down and saying, man, I, I, I'm against you. I mean, I'm going to stop this. This is wrong. You don't know, you shouldn't be doing this. And God says he's going to take matters in his own hands. Now here's what he says he's going to do. And it gets real specific in verses like 16 and following. He says, I'm going to seek the lost. Huh. God says, I myself will shepherd the sheep, and I myself, but I love that, it's like emphatic. I myself, don't make, make sure you understand this, I will make them lie down, which a sheep will only lie down when he's safe, when he's taken care of and well-fed, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I'll destroy, and I'll feed them in injustice. Wow. This is what he pro promises. Seek and save the lost. Uh, he usually says, those, those who have strayed, I'm coming after you. Uh, those who are injured, I see it. I get it. I'm going to bind you up. Uh, those who are weak, maybe just weary, don't feel like you can go on anymore, I'm there with you. I'm going to come and give you strength. I'm going to feed the hungry. And he says, I'm going to do this personally. I love this reality. What if God does this? What kind of God says, hey, I see it. I get it. I'm going to personally act. But then he makes this promise. So you read through this, this passage in Ezekiel, and you're thinking, okay, God is not going to just going to give us something different. He's going to give them himself. But then he says, but I'm going to give you this one shepherd. He's going to be my servant, David. Huh. What does that mean? It's the second thing. God promises to provide one shepherd for his, from his servant, David. Well, what do we know about that? Well, if you read through the Bible, uh, even in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, God promises that a Messiah is going to come. A Messiah is going to come, and he's going to restore everything that's broken. He's going to reunite us to God. Um, he's going to come and bridge the gap between heaven uh, and earth. And this is what he's going to personally do. And God makes these promises. He says a king is going to come in the line of David. And he's going to defeat your enemies, and he's going to rule over you. 
It also says, by the way, a priest is going to come better than Moses, and a, uh, I'm sorry, a prophet and a priest is better than Aaron. He's going to make an even better sacrifice. But here specifically, when God says, I'm going to personally do this, I'm going to send my servant David. Here's what we know. This shepherd's going to be a king because that's what David was, right? So this shepherd's going to have a kingly role. So 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel, back in the Old Testament, this is called the, uh, the covenant that God made with the house of David. Uh, 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 14 says this. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, he's talking about David, I will raise up from your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, from David, I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. By the way, Solomon does that. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be his father. He shall be a son for me. Now, kingdoms come and go. It's kind of like our presidents, right? They come and go. Uh, in your lifetime, you can see sometimes a Democrat, sometimes a Republican. They, they rise up, they come, they go. And a lot of times in the nation of Israel, there's a lot of kings. Uh, even when it divided, there were a lot of kings. But God said there's going to be a king that's going to come whose kingdom will never end. There's a king that's going to come that's going to provide stability. It's not going to be this like, let's wait another four years. It's not going to be like, let's see what the next guy is like. He says, I'm going to make my kingdom, it's going to be through David. Uh, it's going to be one even greater than David, but it's going to be in his line. So what do we know? The shepherd that he provides for us is going to be a king. What else do we know? He's going to be born in Bethlehem. Well, if he's line of David, uh, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And you guys know the, the Luke 2 story? Um, you know that, that why in the world was, was Jesus born in Bethlehem? You know, because he had to be registered, right? Uh, there was a decree. Uh, uh, Caesar uh, has, says, hey, let's go count the people so I can get more money. Um, so you got to go back to your hometowns. Where does Joseph go? He goes to the line of David. So here you see the beautiful uh, prophecy of Micah being fulfilled. Let me read to you. The Athade family crushed it. Um, you know, when you ask a family come to light the uh, Advent candles like the Athade family, a growing family, God bless them. You figure they're going to bring their daughter, Lily, who's the cutest little girl ever. She's back in the nursery. I'm like, what are you doing? You guys are great, but I want to see Lily. I mean, it's a whole thing about Lily. What are you guys doing? Are they in here? Did they leave? Next time. All right, all right. Well, we love you. Um, you're still rock stars. But anyway, so Micah, uh, Micah said years before Jesus was to be born, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth one who is to be ruler in Israel, who comes forth is from old, from ancient of days. So there's this mystery. There's one that's coming, but he's old. He's going to be new, but he's going to be ancient. He's going to be eternal. And you're like, what in the world kind of mystery is that? But there's a promise that's going to come to Bethlehem. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. And, and, and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And he shall dwell secure. And, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. Isn't it interesting? He shall be their peace. He's not just going to bring peace. Hold on. Think about this. He's saying... This shepherd king is going to be peace personified. He is going to be, if we have him, we have peace. If we don't have him, we don't have peace. It's not like he like just conquers our enemies and helps provide a surrounding of peace. He tangibly, he is peace incarnate. He is the prince of peace. Uh, and, and if we have him, we have the peace of God. We don't, we don't. So we know that, uh, okay, the shepherd's going to be a king. We know that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And then we also know that he's going to be both mighty and tender. I want to point to Isaiah. 
Isaiah was a prophet that lived 700 years before Jesus. In Isaiah uh, chapter 40, he, he says this, Go up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Here's some good news coming. Uh, lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Now watch this. Behold the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And he says this, this one is coming. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the arms, the lambs in his arms. I mean, this is not only one who's strong, this is one who's tender. And he will carry them in, in his bosom. And he will gently lead those that are young. What do you want in a savior? One who's really strong and really tender. One who's able to defeat all your enemies and even you. And one who gets you. And one who is not just angry with you. You want one who's gentle and who's meek and mild. Uh, and one who is really all-powerful. And that's what we get in Jesus. I mean, that's incredible. So then we see that Jesus is this good shepherd. He's the one that's the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. He's the fulfillment of Isaiah. He's the one who was to come. And what does he do? He comes to seek and to save the lost. I mean, this is his whole mission. And this is why he came. Why did God put on flesh? Why did God dwell among us? To seek and to save the lost. Luke 19.10 will make it very clear. For the Son of Man, isn't it interesting? Also used for Ezekiel. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Well, what does this mean? This was Jesus' mission. He didn't come for the religious. He didn't come for those who thought they were okay. He didn't come for those who had it all together. He didn't come for those who were self-sufficient. He didn't come for those who were building their own stairway to heaven. He came to seek and to save the lost. I love this about Jesus. When the religious leaders had no idea, they didn't get it, how can you be the Messiah? Uh, you know, what are you doing? You hang out with sinners. Let me, get, let me ask a question. If you came to seek and to save the lost, should you hang out with sinners? Should you be a friend of sinners? Isn't that the place you should be? I mean, so, so if your mission is seeking to save the lost, let me ask you this question. Are you disqualified from being saved? Are you disqualified because you're so lost? No, no, he came for you, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's mission, that, that's like bullseye, Right? And so when Satan lies to you that you're disqualified and when you hear that you're not good enough, uh, listen, whoa, stop that. He came to seek and to save the lost. And so a requirement to understand the gospel is to understand lostness and brokenness. And that's why the religious people had no clue who he was. Because they thought, look at us, we have the longest prayers, we give the most money, we're the most religious, we're the most righteous, you people are smelly, you're, you're, you're sinful, you're wrong, you're bad, we're good, God loves us more, and uh, the Messiah came to seek and to save the lost. That's in absolutely incredible. Jesus would say it this way to those religious leaders in Mark 2, 17. And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, by the way, they're like, why are you hanging out with these people? He says, listen, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. That's pretty cool. You won't understand the Christian story. You won't understand the, the Advent story. You won't understand Christmas if you don't understand who you are apart from God. And that's a sinner. And that's somebody who's lost. No matter what you do worldly and how much success you have, apart from him, you have no life. 
and he came to seek and to save the lost. And I love the fact that that's the case he sees with compassion. Now, there's a great story. Um, you guys know John the Baptist in the, in the Bible. So John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, uh, he gets beheaded. He gets beheaded as a, as a party favor uh, for, for Herod, you know. Uh, it's just kind of really stupid story. But, man, this, this John, John the Baptist is beheaded, and word gets back to Jesus that his cousin, uh, the one that was a forerunner for him, is dead. And he says to his disciples, man, man they, they took his head. Let's just get away. I mean, have you been that way? I'm always that way. I mean, I think Southwest, that ding, it's time to get away. I think I hear that ding most every day of my life. It's time to go away. And uh, let's go find a desolate place. So Jesus takes his disciples, and, you know, here, here you are, Jesus. Where do, you, where do you find a desolate place? Hey, guys, let's get in the boat. Let's go someplace. Let's just go hang. Let's just be us, okay? Let's just mourn the loss of our friend. We just lost him. Hey, he's still going to live in Christ Jesus, but let's just mourn. And so what happens? Uh, um, they get away, and as soon as they go away, all of a sudden they see a crowd. Uh, how would you feel? You ever try to go away? I mean, when's the last time you planned a vacation that didn't go right? When's the last time you planned a day off that didn't go right? When's the last time that you want a little bit of R&R, a little bit of you time, maybe even just a bath, and you can't get hot water, Right? And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. You know, you're like, come on, God, really? Where are you? And then here I think Jesus, he's got to be thinking, seriously, look at all these people. What are you all doing? Can I not have 10 minutes? Give me 10 minutes, okay? Just keep all your crazy, sick, wacko, demon-possessed, broken people over there. Give me 10 minutes over here. But no, he doesn't do that. This is what he does. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. That's what a shepherd does. He sees, he sees something that you and I don't see. He just says, like, man, I know I'm hurting. We, we just lost a friend. But you know what? Look at these people. They're lost. And he began to teach them many things and heal them. He sees with compassion. He brings back the strayed. You know, he's going to say this incredible story uh, in Luke chapter 15. Uh, it's a story of lostness. And he, he talks about, you know, hey, if somebody has 100 sheep, he's got 99 of them, one of them goes away. If you're a good shepherd, guess what you do? You leave the 99, you go get that one. Because there's one that's missing. And, you know, and it, you think about you motherly. It's probably, probably more than mother's instincts. That when, you, when you feel like a, a child is away, I mean, there's something that's just not right, right? I mean, you, you move. And you got to act. And this is Jesus. So he told this parable what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Let me just tell you the truth. Probably most of us would say, I got 99. It's scary out there. What kind of dumb sheep wanders away from a good shepherd? Right? Hey, hey, this is what you do. This is what you get. You're going to go? You're going to leave me? How many times do I got to keep running after you? Okay, you deserve it. You made your bed lie in it. Not Jesus. I got one who's straying. Red alert. I'm going after him. This is a God who never stops pursuing us. You know that? He never stops pursuing you. And somehow in your sinfulness and brokenness and mind, sometimes we just feel like sometimes God's just going to say, I've had enough. I'm done. No, no, no. This is a God who seeks and saves the lost. This is a God who goes after the one. This is a God who personally says, I'm not going to lose one. He says, listen, all that the Father has given to me, I'm not, there's, there's, there, at the end of the day, there's going to be no sheep missing. Does Jesus love you? Have you given your life to Christ? Let me tell you what, you're getting home. And it's not because you're good. 
It's because he's never missed a sheep yet, and he won't. And that's really, really good news. He heals the injured. He heals the injured. I mean, throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, that's what he did. He healed the sick and the injured, the demonic. I mean, the broken were constantly being brought to him, constantly. I mean, sometimes they had to open up the roof to get people down to him to make sure that he could touch them. I mean, it's incredible. And Jesus tells one of the greatest stories of the Good Samaritan story, and I'll have time to set the whole thing up, and maybe you're familiar with the Good Samaritan story, but he was really teaching a point of who we should love and who we shouldn't because there was some confusion of who really my neighbor is. And he talks about a, a Samaritan he, uh, uh, that, that loved well. He said this. He said there was a certain man who had a journey. And by the way, when he says certain man, we don't know if he's a Jew or Gentile. He's a good guy, bad guy, religious guy. We don't know. He's a certain dude. So a certain dude goes down the road, and he gets, like, attacked. And, he, you know, his, he's, like, beaten and robbed, and he's left for dead. So we don't know who he is. Is he a good guy or bad guy? Is he Republican or Democrat? Is he somebody like me? Where is, where is the ethnicity? I, I don't know. He's so beaten. He's so bloody. You can't recognize this one. So here comes down the road, by happenstance, uh, here comes a priest. Good news, man. There's a priest, a religious dude. This guy's going to really care about this man. No, nope, walks right by. He doesn't want to get involved. Man, oh, that looks bad. I'm going over to the side. Then comes another Levite, another guy, a religious guy. Oh, man, that's too much for me. I, I got such a busy schedule. And then you have this one who's called the Samaritans going to come along the road. Now, the people who are hearing the story, the Samaritans were like the outsiders, right? They weren't, they weren't, they weren't the cool kids. They never got invited to the cool table, never. Uh, they were on the wrong side of the track. They were kind of half-breeds. You didn't know what they were. Um, they weren't good. And in and, and, and the people's eyes, they were hearing the story. He said, hey, there's this, this, this Samaritan. And the Samaritan comes along, and you know what he does? He just, he just, he, it's amazing. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds. He poured on, out oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, listen to this, take care of him. And whatever more that, that, that I need to spend, I'll repay you. Whatever more, I got this guy. Wow. What a story. But, you know, you don't get the story until you realize, you know who the Good Samaritan is? I mean, it's, it's ultimately Jesus, right? I mean, and, but, you know, listen, you really don't get the story. unless you, Do you know who that certain person is? It's you and me, right? I mean, we're so lost and we're so broken. The world has beaten us up so, so much. And no matter who walks down the street, we've got to have somebody who walks down the street that, that takes care of our wounds, that pours out oil and, and binds our wounds. And now watch this, watch this. This is Jesus. How does Jesus bind our wounds? What's the oil he pours out on it? It's his own blood, right? I mean, it's his own blood. I mean, he's, he's, he's got, what does he spend for us? He spends his life. He goes to the father, the innkeeper, and says, listen, anything they owe, put it on my account. I got it all. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? This is the good Samaritan. I mean, this is, this is Jesus, and we are that certain man or woman who had no hope apart from him. He says, I got them. I'll bind their wounds. And then you, you realize, here, here's the mystery of the gospel story. How are, his, how are our wounds bound? Where they're bound by him being pierced. They're bound by him being broken. By his wounds, we are healed. I mean, are you kidding me? Holy God mystery. Holy God takes his only begotten son. The only begotten son lives the life we failed to live. And, and then he takes him, he breaks him and crushes him so that through his iniquities, through his piercings, we can be healed? Yeah. That's what he does. 
He strengthens the weak. He says, although come to me, all who are labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't you love that fact? Here's God Almighty, God in the flesh. And he says, by the way, just come to me as you are. You, you know, don't try to clean yourself up. You can't. You're just going to make a better mess. I know that there's a lot of you that are weary. I know that there's a lot of you that just need to be sitting with Jesus. And I don't, I, I, I don't want you to miss the reality of who he is. He says, come to me, all you who are weak and weary, and you're going to find rest. Rest for your very soul. Why? Because he's going to feed the hungry. That's what he did. Man, oh my gosh. He fed 5,000 with some little boy's lunch. He said he fed 4,000. Um, and those who are hungry, he says, if you're really a hunger for thirst and for righteousness, come to me. And Jesus feeds the hungry. Why? Because he's the bread of life. He's the bread of heaven. We're going to remember how he feeds us through his broken body and poured out wine. We're going to remember, we're going to tangibly taste uh, today the goodness and grace of God through this meal. And we're going to remember that one born in Bethlehem was the bread of life. And we're going to remember that he came to seek and to save the lost. And we're going to remember he still goes after the wandering. And we're going to remember that, that the injured and the sick, he's going to heal. And this meal is going to remind us of that. But this meal is specifically just for those who know, by God's grace, that they're lost. But they've been found because Jesus found them. It's a family meal. It's a family meal with a certain invitation. Invitation for family. If you've never embraced Christ as Lord and Savior, Scripture warns us that we shouldn't take a meal that says we have. But more important than the meal, this is his bread and wine. His Spirit's here. Embrace Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe those online. Because the longing and the hunger of your soul, he and he alone can meet. And he loves to do it. Why? Because God promised a shepherd, a good one, who would personally come in the line of David to rescue us. And his name is Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Now, Father God, thank you for this incredible story, this incredible reality that you are a God who so personally invests in us that you would send one shepherd, your servant David, your son, to come and rescue us. And thank you for the success of his journey that now we have access to you by your grace and mercy through faith and the wounds of your son we can boldly come into your presence. Jesus, thank you for your track record that you're going to lose no, not even one sheep is going to be lost. And it's amazing. I think of the number of times I've tried to run out of your hands, the number of times I've tried to disqualify myself, the number of times I just think that I want to run from you instead of run to you. How foolish. And I know that my brothers and sisters can relate. And God, we're so grateful that at the end of the day, it doesn't depend on our track record. It depends on yours. And that we're safe. And Jesus is going to give us home. That's what a weary world needs to hear. And that makes us rejoice. And we're so grateful. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.